What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Constructive Liberty Podcast. Living life intentionally so that we can construct as much liberty as possible into our life. Living a lifestyle of freedom, liberty. That's what it's all about is living the life you want to live. Living your best life. Today I've got an awesome interview. I'm chatting with Ariel from Phi Nith. If you're on MeWe or Float, she posts a lot over on those platforms, and you've probably seen something from Phi Nith over on one of those platforms talking about tiny house living in Wyoming where it's winter, as she says, eight months out of the year. Now, this is completely foreign to my life. I grew up in South Georgia where it's summer eight or nine months out of the year. And not just like what most people know as summer, but like over 100 degrees nearly every day of that summer. She's polar opposite, quite literally. Like, that's polar to me. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine having winter eight months out of the year. We just hit 31 here in Kentucky last night. And I'm like, that's cold enough for me. It's, you know, if it's going to snow, let it snow. I want to sit by my fireplace and watch it snowing. And then I want it to melt and be warm. The older I get, the less I like being cold. But be that as it may, you're going to love this conversation. Again, it's Ariel from Finath. Go follow her on all the social media platforms. I'm going to drop the links in the show notes. Before I play the episode, I want you to know there's a slight lag on, on our feeds. And so there's a one or two second pause from the times when I ask the question and Ariel starts talking. But it's still a great episode. Just bear with the, the slight pause or the slight silence in there. You're going to love the episode. Here you go. I'm joined today by Ariel from Nith. And her expertise is a lot of things, but today we're talking specifically about off-grid in a tiny house living. Now, I know um, it's, it's kind of been a hot thing lately. I know quite a few people that do the camper lifestyle and tiny house and living in a van and some of that. But how did you come to live in a tiny house? Like what, what led up to that? Well, I was doing it a little bit before. It was cool and popular with a lot of people back when, if you said tiny house, people would be like, what are you talking about? Whereas now if I say that, they'd be like, oh, like the cute TV shows. Um, but none yeah, of those yeah. existed almost nine years ago when I moved in here. And uh, I moved into a tiny house simply because the area I was living at the time, um, I'd had a long-term roommate and the folks who owned the house we'd been renting sold it. And there was nothing else in the area available for rent that wasn't more than about 100% of our combined income. So that didn't work. So I was trying to figure wow. out what to do. Did I need to leave the area entirely, you know, start a whole new life in a different spot? That wasn't something I really wanted to do at the time. So I was trying to figure out how to stay. And I concluded I would end up living in a van. Um, I've always been pretty comfortable in small spaces. I've lived out of my car for, you know, multi-week road trips. I'm comfortable going backpacking and living out of, you know, a backpack for weeks and so on. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll just get some kind of van conversion set up. And in the process of looking at that, um, I bumped into one little random story about some teenager who had built his mortgage-free tiny house in his parents' backyard. And it was the first I'd ever seen or heard of the 
you know, concept of a, you know, like a stick built house on wheels. And I thought, you know, in my climate, that sounds much more comfortable for year round life than a van because I live in Wyoming and it's winter here about eight months a year and we get snow up to the eaves. So, <laughs> um, I, that was my inspiration and I, uh, started, uh, looking into it. And a few months later I was living in here, which is where I still am. Wow. That, that's awesome. That's, uh, not many people that actually see that and are intrigued by it and then follow through on it. So it, it takes a, a special, I guess, a <laughs> commitment or something to, to actually, to, to jump into it. But I guess your hand was kind of forced in that, you know, if, if rent was an extremely high portion of, of what your income was at the time, you didn't really have a lot of options. Did you end up building your own tiny house yeah. or how did you go about that? Yeah. So what, what was that process I did not. Like for this you? Was did, if, if you were, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was finish your thought. Oh, if, if you were kind of ahead of the, uh, the curve, as far as when tiny houses got hot, how did you go about finding plans or designing your house or kind of where did you look for inspiration? Cause nowadays you can just go on Pinterest and type in tiny houses and come up with 10,000 different ideas and get <laughs> overwhelmed with that. Where did you start with that? <laughs> um, so I knew pretty much right away that I wasn't going to be able to build my own. And I think that everybody who does that's super amazing, but I was about to be homeless and it was the start of Wyoming winter and I could probably learn how to build one, but it wasn't skills that I had at the time. And so I, I knew I needed something far faster than I would be able to create it all by myself. So I started looking for somebody who could build it for me. And, it, and now, again, like you said, there's lots and lots of tiny house builders out there all across the country. At that time, there was almost none. I could only find two. One was in Colorado and one was in Tennessee and Colorado being much closer to me than Tennessee. Um, I decided to go with them. And so I actually did a 20 hour round trip drive to go see one on their showroom lot and sit in it for a bit and see, did I think this was something I could actually, you know, make work in the long term? And then um, kind of started with one of their base designs and then made a few modifications like, well, can you get rid of this or make this longer, or make that smaller? And um, ended up with the house that I'm sitting in now. And I was on a few months waiting list behind a couple other houses they already had scheduled. But then when they actually started construction on this for me, it went from a flat metal trailer to a finished house I could move into that they towed to Wyoming and delivered to me in six days. And that is absolutely not something I could have accomplished while trying to learn how to build a house had I done it myself. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. That's uh, that that's a speedy process. Going six days from flat trailer to full fledged finished house. Curious, what what size is yours? It's a twenty four foot long trailer. So if I measure the interior space, depends whether you count a loft that you can't stand up in or not. But it's either about one hundred and sixty square feet or a little over two hundred square feet if you count that loft space. Wow. So not very big at all. I, I think our camper right now that we're living in while we build our house is about a, uh, maybe an eight by 30. So you're looking at 240 square feet and it's kind of a challenge on living on a day to day basis. 
how how do you find tiny house living? Is that something that you find? I mean, is plenty of space or kind of what is that like for you living day to day, especially going into winter? So I've been in um, this space now for, I guess I'm about to head into my ninth year. And for just wow. me, it's worked really, really well. Um, I don't know that it would be perfect for everybody. I have friends who, you know, are couples or have multiple children who live in a space this size. I think I would personally find that a little too crowded. Um, but for just me, it worked really well. And part of that is because of the activities I enjoy. I love to garden, hike, backpack, photograph wildlife, etc. All my hobbies involve being outside. So I don't really need inside space for much of those things. So for me as a single person, it's worked out really well. Now I got married, uh, year and a half ago and uh, actually moved from the spot where it had been parked um, for most of its existence uh, to our own little homestead. And with two people, okay. I definitely find it a little bit more crowded. It was set up <laughs> basically to hold me and my stuff and not really with room for a second person or their stuff. So um, my husband and I are hoping to um, build a small house, something in the 600-ish square feet range at some point. But for now, it's working. And um, yeah, when it was just me, I'd say that the only thing I ever really wished for most of the time was a little more pantry space because I like to, you know, cook and can and preserve food. And so even though I can get six months of food in here pretty easily, I always wanted a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because I knew when you had moved in, I've, I've been following you, I think, on MeWe for several years. And um, and I thought you had been single when you moved in. I was going to ask how that works with a second person in the house. And I think you have a dog, too. Is that a, is that a house dog or does she stay outside now? Yeah, we actually both have dogs. Um, I had mine before I was married and okay. my husband has one as well. She's getting older. They're both inside outside dogs. They spend a lot of the day outside with us, basically whatever each of us is doing because we're outside most of the day and they both sleep inside at night. Um, and yeah, with two people, it's not that it's not doable, but it was definitely set up, you know, just for me, like my couches little kind of bench couch and it's perfect for me to sit on or me to recline on while I'm working, but it's kind of hard for two people to snuggle on it because it wasn't really designed for that. And so there's just some things like that that are less <laughs> than ideal with a second person, but it's still a nice warm place. We can sit and eat, we can make food, you can be warm and dry. Um, my husband doesn't love the uh, ladder stairs here behind me into the loft bed um, that worked fine for just me anyway. So there's some things that are a little less convenient, but it's still probably much nicer than the majority of structures that most humans have ever lived in for most of human history. So right. not really anything. Yeah, to exactly. About. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing how if, if we live in a space that's less than a thousand square feet, we think that we're, oppressed and crammed into something that, you know, nobody should live in quarters <laughs> like this. When in reality, you know, if, if you live in more than a cardboard box, you're better off than probably about 75% of the people on earth. And we forget to be grateful for what we have, but it's always like we want more. We want bigger, better, 
things. And um, then we just end up filling it up with junk. <laughs> I, I find that, you know, while we're living in a camper, anytime we build, we're, we have our house that the structure is framed and it's been waiting on us to, to get more money to keep going on it for a while. And the longer it sits, the more full of stuff it gets. And it's like, at some point you just have to get rid of stuff and pare back because, you know, we think that we have the stuff, but really it's like all of our stuff, junk, tools, whatever it is, has us because you have to maintain it. You've got to spend time on it. You've got to, you have to do things or it's like, why do I even have it? How, talk a little bit about, you know, in your tiny space that you're in now, how is it in wintertime? Is it, is it well insulated? What kind of storage space do you have? I mean, do you have a do you have an outside storage like a, a cellar or something to keep canned goods, or are you just stuffing stuff under the bed and like talk a little bit about that because we really <laughs> struggle with that in our camper, like where to put all these things. So this was set up, like I said, very specifically for the things I wanted. Actually, when I was designing it, I went through our existing apartment, which, like I said, I shared with a roommate, but it was probably at least 2,500 square feet, so significantly larger. Um, wow. And kind of went through my stuff and, and collected a pile on the dining table of, so these are the things I for sure want to keep. Like the nice big couch, it's nice. We've had lots of friends over. People have stayed on it and slept on it, but I, I don't have any attachment to I have to have that big couch or something. So for me, it was basically my backpacking gear, photography gear, and kitchen and cooking stuff, and so then, and clothing. And so I um, actually kind of looked around when I went to the, the builder's lot and sat in their, you know, showroom model there and looked around and thought, okay, so I could put this there and I could put those there. Then I need a space for these things and kind of tried to lay out in my head exactly where I was going to put all the things I actually wanted to keep. So it's, um, it's very well set up for that. These, you know, the storage stairs behind me are all drawers. So I keep okay. a lot of clothing in there space kind of right behind that that's often used as a closet is actually my food pantry. Um, I have a lot of kitchen cabinets. The kitchen takes up about half the house, so that's a lot of room for storing things in there. There's an extra storage loft behind there. The one this direction is a sleeping loft, though there is um, some cupboards up there with extra storage so they kind of keep camping gear and, and the kind of things I don't use every single day. And um, and no, for many years, I had a little old outhouse that I used as a garden shed, not as an outhouse for things like, you know, rakes and shovels and, and fuel cans and such outside. But other than that, I did not have any outside storage. Now that's changing a little bit since we're on our own place. We did build a big shop for my husband um, a year ago. And so we do have some more storage space in there for sure compared to what I used to have. But with just me, I was able to pretty much fit everything that I wanted to keep and was important to me. Oh, I, I like books and I like to read. So I kept books that were important to me and along both sides, kind of above the edge of the wall and made just a little skinny bookshelf. So I was able to keep books that mm. I wanted to have on hand and yeah, and it works. Oh, yeah. It's it's amazing what you can make work if you just try and, and put your mind to it. I'm curious, you know, I see your kitchen behind you. Do you do you have electric appliances or, or did you all go with a uh, like a different uh, like a propane or what kind of appliances did you end up going with? 
Because y'all are off grid, I believe. So the really amazing spot. Yes, um, that has been true since the first day I moved into here. The really amazing spot where I was parked for many years was kind of in the woods on the corner of a much larger ranch. And I did some work for the owners and they let me park my house tucked into the corner of their woods there. And uh, power, anything like that was not a an option in that location. So I didn't necessarily have... Unlike a lot of people are like, my dream is to live in a tiny house and I want to be off grid. I didn't really have any of those <laughs> dreams. This was just how it worked out. So that was my option. It was a neat mm. spot to live. And so I do have a small solar setup and it allows me to do things like charge a laptop and recharge camera batteries or phone, things like that. A little bit of lighting. The refrigerator is a small and fairly efficient electric fridge, but it's the biggest draw on the excuse me, on the system. Um, everything else is uh, done pretty much with uh, wood or propane. So I have a little wood stove and that's the primary source of heat. I think I forgot to answer your question. How is it in the winter? This is a very, very well insulated space. Um, the walls are all two by four construction with polyurethane spray foam. I think it's about R30 in the floor and the gotcha. ceiling and R21 in the walls. Um, even with my little tiny stove that's about 12 inches square on the outside, little baby firewood sticks that are smaller than most people's kindling, um, <laughs> it's very easy to keep it warm enough in here that I actually have windows open in the winter, even when it's well below zero. So um, that provides most of the heating. I do have a little backup propane heater if I have to be away from the house for some very long spell, longer than a small stove would you know last for before it burned out um in the kitchen the the main uh the white appliance you're looking at there is a a propane um oven and and range and it has a little battery ignition so to to light it it's just a little nine volt battery it's not hooked to any other power at all um the water pump and heater well the water pump does run on electric the the water heater is a propane one so generally try to just keep my use of anything requiring electricity to a very, very minimal amount. And it's worked quite well for a long time now. That That's awesome. Like you, you'd be surprised or it, it is surprising to learn how much power things actually take when you try to go off grid. I think the first two years we lived in the camper, we were off grid, but, um, and I had a small solar system, but I don't know if there was something, something wrong with the electrical in the camper or it just, it just had a major draw. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what it was. And, and my batteries in the solar system would just, I mean, they would go dead overnight. And I had a system that should have ran what, what we had operating. So I'm not sure what was going on there. But anyway, we're not off grid at this point anymore. I hope to be again in the future. But right now we're grid tied. But, you know, a lot of people, you know, at, at one time, you know, they say if, if you don't live your life right, you'll end up living in a van down by the river, meaning you won't have freedom to do anything <laughs> because you won't have any money. Is that still true today? Do you have living in a tiny house off grid? I don't know if you're by a river or not, but do you have more or less freedom in your life than before? I think significantly more, um, but the freedom might depend on what you care to have the freedom to do. If you want the freedom to buy lots of expensive things or do lots of expensive things, 
um, this might not feel like much freedom to you. It might feel like I'm <laughs> tied down significantly. I have to carry my water by hand and put it in the tank or no water comes out. When I turn on a faucet, I have to split firewood and put it in the stove or, you know, it will be cold in here and so on. For me, I love doing those things. I would way rather spend my time outside splitting firewood while I watch the, you know, sandhill cranes soar overhead and um, our chickens peck around on the ground and stuff like that than go work at a job for somebody else to make money to pay a utility bill. Um, so, yeah, I think living in a van down by the river can give you a great deal of freedom if if it's time freedom you want. Because like you were saying with stuff, your stuff almost ends up owning you when you have a lot of stuff. And I don't want to take away from that. It's a huge blessing to have sufficient things. We have, you know, sufficient warm clothing right. and, you know, pots to cook in and food to eat. And that is a, a massive blessing compared to being starving or having nothing. But I also have lived in an area with some very, very big mansions. The uh, My landlords on that ranch that I lived on, their house is almost 14,000 square feet. I could literally drive this wow. house down the hallways inside their home and not, not run into anything. Um, and that was what they loved. And they loved it until the day they died. But I've been around a lot of big houses uh, and people who have a lot of money. And I I would even think that there would be times I'd look at that and be a little jealous of, wouldn't it be nice if I had this or if I had that thing? And I'm really not. Um, I look at the amount of work. I've done house cleaning for some of those. My husband has done some property caretaking for some of those. And I look at how little freedom a lot of those people actually have they have to take care of their stuff. They have to worry about their caretaker they've hired to manage their stuff for them. They almost never have any privacy because with a, you know, a structure and stuff that big, there's always your cleaning lady or your window washers or your landscaping people or the plumber fixing something or the electrician working on something. And, you know, to me, that would be a, a significant lack of freedom, though certainly they have a great deal more monetary freedom to go do anything that can be, you know, done with money than I do. Um, so yeah, it depends, I guess, what you want freedom to do. But I like, I like this kind of freedom. Yes, time. There's a lot to be said for time freedom. Um, I, I I'm in construction, and my wife does house cleaning, and you know we do those things so that we have some monetary freedom. But then we lament the fact that we don't have the time freedom that we want. So there's there's always a trade off, trying to find. I don't know if it, if there's ever a balance, but trying to find what's most important in life, whether it is that monetary, which sometimes it is, you got to have money to do some of those things. But I think most often we're a lot happier sure. when we have more time freedom. But it was it was interesting you mentioned um, you said you don't don't go work for other people or or don't have at least a nine to five job, and um, you mentioned like utilities and bills, which you don't have utilities if you're off grid. What kind of bills do you end up with in a tiny house and how do you pay those if you don't have that nine to five job? Yeah, so it's been, a, well, I guess I've never in my life had a nine to five job. I have sometimes had hundred hour plus week jobs and sometimes um, <laughs> very little. Um, I've done a lot of, a lot of things in my life. 
So as far as what bills I actually have now is something that's reoccurring, basically, um, you know, a cell phone and my internet here is based through a, a cell phone wireless connection. So that's the regular monthly bill I have. Of course, if I want to drive anywhere, I do need to buy gasoline. Um, I guess I buy propane, but this house is pretty efficient on propane use. So that's something I can, I can fill up like every year and a half. So that's not a, a regular monthly bill. Um, so very little regular bills of, of those kinds. So what I'm doing at the moment is one or two days a week, I do some house cleaning for some other folks. And I can't say that house cleaning is like my absolute dream job, but it, it works very, very well for what I do. Usually the owners are gone. I can clean the house in peace and quiet, and listen to an audiobook or a podcast or something while I do it. And it provides enough income to keep paying the minimal bills and give me most of the week free at home too, raise our garden, take care of the chickens, split the firewood, you know, can things, dry things, you know, all all of those kinds of things that I'd rather be spending my time doing. Um, when I first got the tiny house, I got a job that I hated for a while, which uh, was waiting tables, which is a good way to make a bunch of cash fairly quickly um, because I had gotten a loan to buy this since I, you know, purchased it outright and I wanted to pay that off as quickly as possible. So that's what I did. Now I'm back to being debt free and, you know, that it was worthwhile in the area where I was living. I would have spent the same amount in rent in about four and a half years. And, you know, I'm at the end of eight years in here. So even if I burned the house down today, I'd come out one bonfire and a bunch of years ahead of, you know, having paid rent all those years. But I did work a lot of hours there for a while and picked up odd jobs in between doing other things. Um because I wanted to pay that off as quickly as possible and pay as little interest on it as I can. But yeah, now having put in some of that time to do that, so now I own my house free and clear and then I'd saved up money and as I had my husband and so we were able to buy the small chunk of land that we're on now uh, for cash. So there's no kind of mortgage on that. And now we're, you know, we built the shop and we eventually hope to build a house, but we're all doing that with, with cash as we have the finances. It sounds like much like you are. So that means it doesn't happen overnight, but having made that investment in this place means that we do have a, a warm, dry, cozy place to live while doing all that and that we can do it at, at that pace. So once again, it depends what kind of, what kind of freedom you're looking for. For a while, I used my freedom to work all the time so I could pay something down quickly so that now I could enjoy <laughs> some of the benefits of that, um, which is really nice. And there were days that it yeah, really it, it absolutely for a while. is. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it is it is nice having, you know, the freedoms that you choose. That's I think that's where life is at is you, you know, so often I I want to get into a little bit of everything and and I find that that brings that makes you crazy. Makes makes your mind I don't know, there's there's no peace in there. I, I find a lot more peace when I start eliminating things and focus on just a couple of things. And it sounds like you found the thing that that you enjoy and that brings you peace and makes you happy. And and that's awesome. Um, you mentioned gardening and chickens and some of those things. Do do y'all provide like all of your own food, or kind of what percentage of, of food do y'all provide? And what is there a better, much better quality? I'm sure than than what you get from the grocery uh, store. Hopefully. Um, 
Yeah, I just wanted to touch on what you were saying a second ago there real quick. Like my landlords, they love their house. I mean, they both, they were very elderly. They've both since passed away, but, you know, they died in their home that they loved, you know, that was a massive thing. So I'm not by any means saying everyone should love what I love. I just really hope that people stop and oh, think absolutely. about what do you care about? Because one of the things that's, that's sad to me is I get a lot of messages from folks who are significantly older than me through, you know, posts that I make on MeWe or, you know, videos or things like that, that run along the lines of, I wish I had known this was an option. I wish I had made different choices. Now I'm old. I spent my whole life doing things I didn't care about. And now I can't do the things I do care about. And that makes me really sad um, to hear that. If it's, if you care about mm -hmm. the kind of things I enjoy doing or totally different stuff, I just hope people stop right now at whatever age you are and think about, you know, what are you, you know, dedicating your life to? Is this something you care about? Or is it something like my years of waiting tables? No, I don't care about that. But is this a step in getting to the thing you care about? Um, because I hope that less people get to the stage where they say, I'm old and I can't do any of the things I wanted to do in my life and my life is over, because that's really sad. Um, so yeah, food. I I love to cook and grow and preserve food. And no, we do not by any means produce all of our food here. We're trying to continually get it to being a, you know, an ever growing proportion. So I've had a garden pretty much my whole life. I helped my parents with their big garden when I was growing up. Um, and this year is looking like a, a record harvest. The actual dedicated garden bed space is only about 600 square feet. Um, and we live in a climate that doesn't technically have a growing zone because we don't have a first and last frost date. We get freezes and occasionally snow flurries all summer long. But this year we've produced close to 600 pounds of food out of there um, of, you know, the vegetable wow. variety. And then just the other day, uh, we do have hens for, for laying eggs. So we've been getting eggs year round. I haven't even tried to count those. I probably should have. That would have been fun. There's a lot of dozens of eggs in the last year. And then we raised a bunch of extra roosters, which just the other week we uh, processed and put in the freezer. So now we have a good bit of poultry meat to use for the over the next year. And um, we usually go hunting every fall and if possible, put an elk or two in the freezer. So between elk and chicken, that pretty much provides close to 100% of them. I'd say 90 something percent of the meat we use through the year. We go buy bacon and a few things like that for some variety. Um, <laughs> I am now growing the vast majority of the vegetables that we use throughout the year. And we like to, we have an orchard planted, but it's very new here. So it's not currently producing us uh, much fruit, but we do like to go foraging for wild berries and fruits and such. So we produce some of that, but I'm never likely to produce salt or oil or rice or, you know, wheat or some of those things here on our property. So we definitely do go to the grocery store for things like that. But just gradually every year trying to kind of increase the proportion of our food that we are providing ourselves. And like you said, yeah, it is a, a lot higher quality. I know what our chickens, whether they were meat birds or layers, you know, I know what they eat every day. Well, kind of. They run around free range. So I know they hunt down grasshoppers and earthworms and such. I don't know every single bite that they eat. But, um, you know, I know what goes into our mm -hmm. soil that goes into our vegetables and so on. And and that is is really nice and a, a huge blessing for sure.
It it really is. It's it's comforting to know that you can grow quality food. You know, whether you want to go with all the conspiracies about you know what they spray or what what comes into your garden from the atmosphere, you still know you're not directly spraying all kinds of chemicals on it. So not directly ingesting that into your body and and the meat too is a whole nother thing. You're not getting the hormones and all of that. So that's that's a lot of. Uh, a lot of peace in, in your mind as well. Um, you're currently living in a tiny house. Kind of going back it, to that a little bit. You mentioned y'all are going. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and again, it somebody could look at that as a great lack of freedom. I have to make sure the garden gets watered and I have to pick things and I have to feed the chickens <laughs> and change the water for the ducks and so on. Or you could look at it as a great deal of freedom. We have food just like growing out of the dirt here and being pooped out of chicken butts and all that kind of stuff. And if you're out of eggs today, there'll be more tomorrow. And we don't, even though we do certainly buy things at the grocery store still, our you know grocery bills are significantly less than what they would be if we were producing none of our own food. So yeah, once again, I think it depends how you want to look at that. Is that freedom or is that tied down? It's some of both, but it's it's a balance that I like. I'd rather feed chickens and pull carrots than, again, go work a nine-to-five job sitting in an office somewhere so that I could pay someone else to do those things for me. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, I apologize. I guess there's a little bit of a lag there, but... We're, we're getting through it. <laughs> um, I, I did kind of stalk your MeWe page just before we got on, and I saw the, the beautiful pictures of carrots, like some massive carrots. It's, it's looking awesome. I, I'm surprised that some of the stuff, the pictures that you do put up online of the things that you can grow is – are you pretty well able to grow about anything you want? Is it just that the season is shorter, or are there a lot of things that you actually can't grow in your region? There's a lot of things that aren't going to grow here unless you're going to have a greenhouse and external heat. So most of what I grow is what a lot of areas would consider a winter garden. And people say, oh, I heard that people can do this winter gardening thing. Why don't you grow a garden in the winter? Because winter here is often snow literally up to the eaves, well (laughs) above my head. Um, Someday we do hope to have a greenhouse and that will allow for a lot of season extension on things like that. But it has to be a fairly sturdy structure. It can't just be one of those cheap little flimsy ones because we get high winds and we get heavy, heavy snow loads. Um, Mm. So that's someday in the future. But right now what I grow is pretty much the things that you can plant in a winter garden. So all the root crops tend to do really, really well. Um, Carrots seem to love a cold climate. A lot of people are like, oh, I plant carrots and they don't grow. What are you doing? move to somewhere where it's cold all the time. That's what I do. Carrots like the cold. Um, So do onions and beets and garlic and potatoes. And we can grow a lot of the leafy things, lettuces, cabbage, kales, broccolis, cauliflowers, that kind of thing. Um, What you're not going to grow is anything that's not frost hardy. If it dies when it freezes, because we get frost all summer long, even though I have frost covers for the bed that give me a little bit of a buffer there, I'm not going to grow tomatoes, pumpkins, squash, um, peppers, you know, all those heat loving things. Uh, Again, unless you had some kind of heated greenhouse, because regularly every few days or few weeks all through the summer, we get killing freezes, you know, into the upper 20s or so, at least Fahrenheit. And so anything that can't handle that, you're not going to grow here. 
Yeah. That's incredible. Like we've, I don't think we've hit twenties yet. I'm in Southern Kentucky and our coldest night so far has been, I think last night, right around 31. So I can't imagine the middle of summer having upper twenties. That That's just completely foreign to me, <laughs> but Hey, every, everybody has their own climate that they like. And that's the beauty of, of the, the vastness of the world. You get to choose where you like to live and where you want to live. Um, going back sure. to kind of the tiny house thing, you've talked about your elderly neighbors and their the massive house that they had. You've talked about, you know, y'all are quite a bit younger living in a tiny house, but building a slightly bigger place. Do you kind of have a plan in place for when you do get older and aren't able to take care of things as well or get around as well or climb up into the loft? How are y'all planning that out for small house living? Yeah, I think that's been a huge benefit of over the last few years, whether I've done house cleaning or I helped somebody with their garden and so on. I have worked with a, a bunch of folks who are in their, you know, 80s and and seen, um, got to kind of see firsthand the things, the reasons they needed my help or help from other people because of things that they were starting to hit, not being able to physically do for themselves. And that's been really helpful because um, I'm a little younger. My husband is a little older than me, but we both want to plan things where, you know, you don't know what'll happen in the future, but if we could live and die here on our own place, that would be most ideal. So yeah, at some point climbing skinny, narrow ladder like stairs into a loft is probably not going to be feasible though for years, that's been no issue for me. Um, so with the house we're building, we'd like to have everything as much as possible on a single level. We are trying to, every year, we don't get as much done as we think we're going to, but continually set up, you know, we when we bought this property, it was just bare land. It was an abandoned hay field, um, pretty much nothing growing here, but a few invasive weeds. And a lot of the things were very manual. Water was carried from here to there and, you know, just things like that. And every year we're getting a little more set up that this works smoothly. Now there's a, you know, a pipe that runs underground to there. So I don't have to carry this to there. Now, instead of having to move a little chicken hut tractor every day, we've got a nice chicken barn and yard. They just go out by themselves during the day and they come in when it's night and I just close the door and there's no more chasing them around, trying to herd them back in. So a raccoon doesn't eat them in the dark and so on. So, just trying to gradually, while we still have, you know, the time and energy, keep setting up all these systems so that they work not automated, like I can just sit down, push buttons on a smartphone kind of thing, because I don't even have a smartphone. That's not my my thing. But um, where there is a more of a level of, I don't know if you call it automation, but where things are easier, where you can just open a handle or a door or close a valve and, and things work with a little less physical, mm. you know, manual inputs. And then just doing things like creating a, you know, we heat with wood and we plan to always do that. Uh, obviously heating it happens a lot of the year here. So, you know, creating a savings account of firewood where every year we try to split and, and stack more than we're going to use so that, whether something happened now, like we both broke our legs and couldn't do firewood that year, or as we get older, you know, there's something there to, to pull from as, um, as we age and, and continually just trying to figure some of that stuff out. Hopefully we got a little time to, to do that and then can have it kind of set up to where we'd like to be able to age in place and, and be here the rest of our lives. 
Yeah, that that's awesome. It, it's always a it's not a fun thing to think about the getting older part and maybe not being able to do some of the things that we like to do. But I always like hearing what people are are doing to set things up to be easier, because even when you're younger, if things are a little easier, maybe you age a little more gracefully so you can extend your ability to, to do some of those hard things by making it easier now. Kind of transitioning a little bit, um, I was looking over over the links that you sent me to where people can find you, and I saw you have YouTube on here. I think I remember you had been locked out of your YouTube channel a while back. Are you back to being able to produce YouTube videos, or am I mis or am I am I wrong on that? No, you're correct on all that. That was a. Uh... I wasn't canceled by YouTube. That might still happen. Um, but it was simply a glitch as near as I can tell when they upgraded something in their system. It locked me out and wouldn't let me back in and wouldn't let me do anything to prove that I was me and it was my account, you know, for my security, which was very, very frustrating. I was locked out for months and I probably would not be back in now mm. if I didn't happen to have a subscriber who also followed my blog and so became aware of the issue through there whose brother-in-law is head of security at Google and he fixed it. If I hadn't, if she hadn't made that happen, I don't think I'd be on YouTube now. Um, but I do create a lot of videos. Uh, they're all on Odyssey as well. If you prefer to avoid Google and their companies, um, you can find the whole channel there. I think we're getting close to 800 something videos, mostly about, you know, either life in a tiny house or things specific to being off grid or all the other stuff we do like garden or go foraging or, you know, now setting up a lot of new things around this property. So there's a lot of content there. I try to just share, you know, what we're doing, how we're doing it, what worked out great, what sucked that we wouldn't do again, you know, that kind of thing. But yes, currently <laughs> you can, you can find videos on Odyssey or YouTube if you like. And, um, yeah, pictures and stuff on MeWe and so on. I left left Facebook in such a long time ago, and I'd never got into Twitter, Instagram, or any of the other big legacy media companies. So I'm not there. Mm -hmm. It's it's a uh, I don't know. There's there's good and bad into being on those things. It it kind of sucks you in. So it's you know you might have a little more exposure to. You know, whether you're selling photography or me getting the podcast out or any of those things, you have a little bit more exposure to, to people that can find you. But then, yeah, there's there's all, always the the bad that goes along with that. Um, as before we sign off, do you all have any big projects that you're working on that people can follow along, like any any videos or how to's or something that you're working on, maybe a video series that people should go check out? Well, there's been a lot over time. I'd say the big project right now is continuing life. Um, hopefully over the next couple of years, it will be building a, a small house here. Hopefully that's going to include a root cellar and a greenhouse. This is all not going to happen by next week by any means. So this is going to be a bit of a long process. Um, my husband has the skills to build, unlike me. So it's the two of us doing the building with, um, you know, the amount of time and money that we have. So that's that's going to be a big project for us. Um, 
there are ongoing series about gardening, especially if you also live in a cold climate. Probably a lot of the things that work for me aren't very helpful for you if you live in Florida or something. But if you live in a pretty cold climate, I do have a good bit of experience now over the years and just kind of ongoing videos of what I plant and what varieties grow best and what tips and tricks work best and harvesting that. Um, I've got kind of ongoing cooking and food preserving videos because that's something we're always doing more of. Um, there's ongoing series about our honeybees and ducks and chickens, again, from a perspective of, you know, what works well in a, a really cold area. Um, there's just random, you know, here's all the pretty scenes of summer or fall or winter around because I just I love the the beauty of the nature and mountains and wildlife and everything that we're surrounded by. Um, yeah, so those are kind of all ongoing series. Many of them have been going for many years and will hopefully continue many years into the future. Mm. But probably the biggest project hopefully starting next spring we'll be building a, a small house. That's a little bigger than the tiny house. Awesome. I love it. That's, that's awesome. Something to look forward to. Where should people find you if they want to connect with you? What's the, what's the best place to reach out if they have any questions and just want to follow along on your journey of tiny house living and homesteading? Yeah. If you like content in a video form, I, I do a lot of those. And like I said, you can find those on Odyssey or, or YouTube. Um, I also tend to share photos and little posts about daily life stuff um, on MeWe and Float. Those are probably the two social media places I'm most active. And then I have a blog, which mostly I've found over the years gets posts in the winter because all summer I am just too busy and I just don't have time to write. Um, or I guess I don't make the time to write because you have time for whatever you make time for. But anyway, the blog has posts off and on when I get around to it. But there is a lot of content there over a lot of years as well. If you prefer reading, you know, and visual things versus the, the video format, um, a lot of topics have been covered both in, in videos and in, in blog posts. But you can find me there if you want to see stuff every day. Probably MeWe or Float is the, the best place to follow along because most days there's a post or two of some kind of picture and something about what's going on here at, at that particular moment in time. Awesome. Very cool. I will definitely drop those links in the show notes where people can connect with you and, and follow along. I appreciate your time today. It's been a fun conversation. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. So I, I really appreciate you joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. Didn't I tell you that was going to be an awesome interview? She is a fun person to chat with, and it's really a lot of fun um, following along on her and her husband's journey, living in a tiny house with multiple dogs, all the animals, seeing all the photos that she produces of, or the, the photos that she takes of the food she produces on their homestead. It's really cool seeing all of that. It, it's so much fun observing how somebody else chooses to live you know and and it's it's not a bad thing we can all choose how we want to live but go follow her all those links are in the show notes find her videos her posts all the things do good work <laughs>